0: Uh, you've been on the road for hours, covered 527 miles, listened to three podcasts, yeah. had two calls with your mom and one with your sister, and you're really hungry. And look at that. There's a McDonald's one mile up ahead meal. There's a meal for every moment at McDonald's.
1: Cruise up to McDonald's and get your favorite items on the one, two, dollars dollars menu, like a McChicken, McDouble, or four-piece McNuggets. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with combo meal.
0: You're free. How you doing? I'm Leslie Marshall. Outside, it is in Southern California. I cannot see past two or three arms length. It's kind of foggy, rainy, and cold. Not the weather that it was when I left the Bahamas, but I got to tell you, I got to the Bahamas on Friday, just came back from vacation. I uh, used my points to fly, used my points for hotels because I had accumulated so many flying to uh, Fox in New York and D.C., uh, for the past couple of years, you know, prior to COVID, uh, had accumulated a lot, seriously, like 2 million points, no joke. And, uh, so I, I, you know, I got, to, I got to use them, you know, I'm all excited and we were there Friday, uh, one, like, and this is hashtag first world problems. I'm, I'm just prefacing that. Okay. We were there Friday, uh, through, uh, we can't, we came back, uh, this past Saturday, but anyway, um, when we got there Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and part of Tuesday freezing. <laughs> Freezing. It was warmer at my house. <laughs> wow, right? But anyway, I made up for it Tuesday when the sun finally came out, and uh, I I was so tan when I left, and I fade so fast. <laughs> I was so tan two days ago, and uh, I don't know if you can tell I'm tan, but you know I'm tan. But I'm back. Uh, I really need a week and a half of vacation. I've decided because it takes me like three four days to get into rest. Chill out, vacation mode. And uh, any of you out there with kids know it's really just not that much of a vacation (laughs) when you have kids, because you're still getting up at certain times and you know this and that. But uh, I think I need a week and a half. I I think I really need a week and a half to feel like I've truly vacated, because I'm ready for another one. You know, you come back and you have all the mail and the email and the phone calls and it's like nothing changed. Nobody noticed you're gone. Nobody missed you. <laughs> but all your stuff is still there. Uh, anyway, glad to be back uh, with you here. Uh, I'm Leslie Marshall and we have a great show in store. Thank you for watching us on Twitter's Periscope, YouTube Live, Facebook Live, LinkedIn Live, listening to us on radio and, of course, on stream and podcast. Appreciate that. Guests coming up later in the hour. We're going to kick things off with Ripped. Now, have- now what's interesting, we have this first story because I was just talking off the air with Marky Mark. I am having trouble here in Los Angeles trying to get the vaccine because I, like many people, am picky. And a lot of picky, you know, as to which one I want. A lot of the people I know that got Moderna, second shot was a whammy, had some side effects. And if it says somebody will get side effects, that's me. My doctor calls me the fine print patient. Seriously, Marky Marky Mark can laugh at that. He certainly knows my history. Um, At first, I thought I was going to get the Johnson and Johnson vaccine, you know, one shot, one and done. Uh, A lot of people like that because the needle apparently is this long and they say it hurts, but you still need to get it. You still need to get it. I saw a post. The other day, that said, if you notice, before the 1950s, there are so many children's graves and cemeteries. If you walk through cemeteries, and then after the 50s, it stops dramatically. And the reason for that, vaccinations. Uh, but you, you have to get vaccinated. You really do. It's it, it's going to help us as a nation get back to being truly, uh, you know, where we were before. And we're really not right. We're walking around with masks. I had to get tested going into the Bahamas. Once I was in the Bahamas, wow. You know, we want our lives back as much as possible and close to the way that we knew it. So the first story is about Johnson and Johnson. And the reason I say that is I'm trying to get the Pfizer shot, and I'm having a heck of a time getting an appointment here in Los Angeles County in Southern California. So fingers crossed, I can get vaccinated cause sixteen and up can get vaccinated here in Cali. And uh, I am over sixteen. I know it's shocking to many of you. Uh, but uh, anyway, so let's check this out. Today, Uh, The U.S. FDA recommended an immediate halt of the use of Johnson & Johnson's COVID-19 vaccine. What they cited was cases of a rare blood clot disorder. Six women developed within two weeks of receiving the shot. Now, I'm not a physician, but I am going to tell you what I know. Not only did I watch Fauci's press conference while I was on TV, they went to it, Um, but I had also spoken uh, to some medical professionals uh, about this as well. And what it is, is there are six and nearly 7 million people who have got this clot. So I, I just want you to look at the numbers. Okay. Six out of 7 million. Prior to the past two weeks, uh, nobody had had anything like that. There, The six women are between 18 and 48. They're all female. One did die. Um, And again, we don't know if there was an underlying condition. Dr. Fauci ceased to think it's heparin that they treat these clots with and that the heparin and the the, uh, vaccine do not do well together. Um, So they want doctors to be on the lookout for that. But uh, Johnson & Johnson hopefully will be in our our future once again, as that is a one shot, one done. But please don't let information like this um, deter you or dissuade you from getting the vaccine. If you think about it, if I said to you, You have a six and seven million chance of getting hurt if you do A, B, C, or D. I think most of you, I would do A, B, C, or D, right? Get on planes when you cross the street. How many of you drive fast through that yellow light when it's about to turn red? The list goes on. But anyway, today's US, uh, the US FDA recommended immediate halt of the use of Johnson & Johnson's COVID vaccine. Uh, They cited those cases, like I said, that developed within two weeks. So so I say that also because there were those of you out there who got the Johnson & Johnson vaccine and you might be scared. If you got the Johnson & Johnson vaccine more than two weeks ago and you have no issues with pain in your lower legs or any kind of a clotting issue, um... You won't have any issue. So that's what they believe so far, uh, because the all six women did develop this within two weeks of receiving the shot. So if you received the Johnson and Johnson shot prior to two weeks ago, I think Dr. Fauci said if you got it a month or more ago, you're completely scot free. Um, but if you got it more than two weeks ago, most likely you are as well. Here's the latest. Acting FDA Commissioner Janet Woodcock said at a briefing that she expects the pause to only last a matter of days. Health officials are investigating the data surrounding these blood clots. Another thing is they're not regular blood clots. They're extremely rare types of blood clots. Now, the FDA's recommendation was issued out of an abundance of caution and to prepare health providers to recognize and treat patients appropriately, these type of blood clots, like I said, require a different kind of treatment than other normal typical blood clots by the way it's not typical for an 18 year old to get a blood clot even 18 to 48 It's usually something that develops older uh later in life when uh, people are older now the white house said in a statement today that the pause quote will not have a significant impact uh, on the administration's vaccination plans noting that it has secured enough moderna and pfizer doses for 300 plus million americans and the president still will reach his goal by two by, by 100 days in office 200 million vaccines in the arms of Americans. So nonetheless, whiteout officials are concerned the FDA's decision could increase vaccine hesitancy. That's one of the reasons Marky Mark picked this story for me with RIP today, and one of the reasons I'm so glad he did and we're talking about it, because the big picture again is nearly 7 million Johnson & Johnson doses have been administered in the United States. There have been another 9 million doses shipped to the United States. There are six individuals who have developed blood clots, all of them women, all between the ages of 18 and 48, and all who received it um, in the past couple of weeks. Now, people who have received the Johnson & Johnson shot more than a month ago have a relatively low risk of developing any complications. That's what the FDA said. And the FDA recommends that if you were vaccinated in the last three weeks, contact your healthcare provider if you are experiencing any of these. You listening? Escuché in Spanish, écouté in French. Okay, so if you have severe headache, abdominal pain, leg pain, or shortness of breath, any of those or any combination of those, let me say this again. If you have severe headache, abdominal pain, leg pain, or shortness of breath, and you have received the Johnson & Johnson vaccine in the past three weeks, please contact your healthcare provider right away and get the proper medical attention. If you have any clotting, And you go to see a doctor, make sure you tell them you had the Johnson & Johnson vaccine and that you had that vaccine within the last three weeks, because these blood clots that are developing in those six women, like I said, they're different and they should be treated differently. Um, And I am not a doctor. I don't know the treatment, but I do know Dr. Fauci said that heparin would not be the treatment. He said that in the press conference today. And I guess that is a medication typically used uh, for, quote, normal or mainstream, if you will, blood clots, which this is not. So what they're saying, quote, right now, these adverse events appear to be extremely rare, according to the FDA and CDC. This is what they wrote in the statement. And they went on to say, quote, treatment of the specific type of blood clot is different from the treatment that might typically be administered, uh, you know, i.e., heparin. Uh, The agencies noted that the vaccine pause is important to ensure that the healthcare provider community is aware of the potential for these adverse events and can plan for proper recognition and management due to the unique treatment required with this type of blood clot. So the the pause, which will not be a long time, is to basically notify healthcare providers. CDC, so there are far two cases to determine whether there are any subpopulations particularly at risk. The health agency is not ready to single out any subgroups at that time. Be sure to watch. The CDC expert committee is going to convene tom- uh, tomorrow to review the cases and assess their potential significance. I'm Leslie Marshall. That's part A, part one of Writ from the Headlines. We'll be back with part two right after this. Don't go away. We are back. I'm Leslie Marshall. Thank you for joining us or rejoining us and uh, re-re-join ripped from the headlines at this time. There have been a second night of protest over the police shooting of Dante Wright that unfolded in Brooklyn Center yesterday. A large crowd defied a curfew. There were pleas from city leaders to go home. Driving the news, quote, we are going to get to the bottom of this. We are going to make sure that there's justice, that this officer is held accountable. Uh, those were the sentiments an exact quote from Brooklyn Center Mayor Mike Elliott. That's what he told demonstrators in an effort to calm tensions after dark. Now, law enforcement, again, deployed tear gas, flashbang grenades and rubber bullets amid clashes with the crowds gathered outside the police station. There were several dozen, dozen protesters who were arrested. NPR News reported by uh, there was looted, limited looting uh, reported in Brooklyn Center and beyond by 11 o'clock, demonstrators had largely dispersed, and the mayor tweeted that quote Our city is calm. Uh, the backdrop is the overnight curfew was instituted from 7 p.m. to 6 a.m. across the metro in hopes of quelling unrest and violence following the fatal shooting of Mr. Wright, 20 years of age was killed during a traffic stop just before 2 p.m. Sunday. Now, some people say he was pulled over for uh, air freshener. I didn't know that was a reason, but apparently it is. Um, Or for uh, expired tags. Either way, how did this end in someone's death? The number of National Guard troops on the ground doubled to about 1,000, according to officials there. And as the evening protest ramped up, ramifications of the shooting continued to play out across city government. The city council voted to fire Brooklyn Center city manager and give more power to the mayor, according to the Star Tribune. The mayor is expected to ask whether he will fire the police chief as soon as today. The Bureau of Criminal Apprehension, meanwhile, identified the officer who shot Mr. Wright as Ms. Kim Potter, a 26-year veteran of the force. The Hennepin County Attorney's Office referred the case to Washington County for consideration of charges. A decision is expected in the coming days. Now, earlier in the night, hundreds gathered for a peaceful vigil in Mr. Wright's honor. Uh, Wright's mother, Katie Wright, said, quote, I just need everyone to know that he was my life. He was my son, and I can never get that back because of a mistake, because of an accident. The family retained Benjamin Crump, who is the attorney who negotiated a record misconduct settlement on behalf of George Floyd's relatives. Uh, The big picture here is that the fatal shooting that took place Sunday has reverberated, not just in the metro, but across our nation, bringing even more attention to the Twin Cities as the trial of Derek Chauvin for the killing of George Floyd nears an end. Prosecution rested. Uh, President Biden called for a full-blown investigation as he echoed local and state official statements that while peaceful protests are justified, violence and destruction won't be tolerated. And the president is right, and this is why. One. I am a white woman, I'm not African-American. And I know there are many of you who are African-American who feel another day in America, another black man killed at the hands of a white police officer, whether an accident or not. I understand, but not from that point of being a black person, that pain, that fear. I don't know what it's like. I I know I get nervous when the lights come on behind my car and I'm a white woman. And there is a difference when you look at the numbers. African-Americans, minorities, specifically African-Americans are disproportionately incarcerated, disproportionately stopped and disproportionately killed at the hands of police officers. But violence and looting is not going to help us as a nation go forward and reform police, retrain police. I was taught by police that with a gun and a taser, And you can all correct me if I'm wrong, and I'm sure you will on social media. The police officers I've spoken to told me that your gun is on your dominant hand side. So I'm right-handed. It would be here. Your taser is on the other side. Now, obviously, not everyone does that. And this is a 26-year veteran. Then again, I've also been told by police that the weight of a gun is different than that of a taser. The feel of the gun is different than that of the taser. And the trigger pulling is different a feel with the taser or the gun. I've never experienced either myself. Uh, I've never shot a handgun. I shot uh, for charity in Buffalo, New York years ago, uh, clay pigeons. I did pretty well, actually. Uh, And that was more like uh, a shotgun or a rifle. Uh, It was not a handgun. I've never shot a handgun. I've never shot a taser. Tasers, by the way, can kill people if they are held for more than 15 seconds. There are uh, numerous individuals that have lost their lives lives to tasers. So some people question why the use of taser or gun, why reaching for the taser or gun when this originally was some kind of traffic stop, and you know, why are traffic or highway patrol, uh, and then other officers who aren't traffic or highway patrol, um, overlapping in each other's jurisdictions or, or areas, and why somebody stopped for a tag or, uh, you know, or air freshener, how, how did this um, income uh, outcome come about? Now, I know some people say he was being served a warrant, but that's not why he was stopped, they were not in hot pursuit of this individual. Um, at that time. And we're seeing this uh, more and more and more and more. We're seeing video. Now, we do see on the video that the police officer uh, did yell, taser, 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 taser. Uh, She did say an explicative and that she had shot him. And the president did call for a full-blown investigation. And as the world is watching the uh, Chauvin trial, the world will watch this process and the world will ask If there is justice, that's what St. Paul Mayor Melvin Carter told reporters, Brooklyn Center Police Chief Tim Gannon's claim uh, that Potter likely fired a gun inadvertently while meaning to reach for a taser has renewed scrutiny of training and use of the less lethal tool for all the reasons I just said and more. Uh, President, former President Obama said we need to reimagine the police. And by the way, he and our president, our former president, uh, President Obama, I'm not talking about Trump Our Democratic presidents, have never said they wanted to defund the police and have never said they wanted to eliminate the police, just to be clear. Let's rip another. Speaking of... Uh, Today, former President Barack Obama stressed that the U.S. needs to, as I said, reimagine policing and public safety after the death of Dante Wright, the 20-year-old black man fatally shot by a Minneapolis police officer this weekend. Following nationwide protests in the wake of George Floyd's death last year, local police reforms were proposed on a scale not seen since the inception of the Black Lives Matter movement. Many of those proposals, by the way, were never realized. Um, So the former president, Barack Obama, said, quote, our hearts are heavy over yet another shooting of a black man, Dante, right at the hands of police. The fact that this could happen even as the city of Minneapolis is going through the trial of Derek Chauvin and reliving the heart wrenching murder of George Floyd indicates not just how important it is to conduct a full and transparent investigation, but also just how badly we need to reimagine policing and public safety in this country. And I I think, you know, this is just speaks volumes to reform, because remember, you know, even if this was an accident, This Katie Wright has lost her son. Mr. Wright has lost his life. We need to have better training if this was an accident, and not just in that police force. Let's rip another. Virginia Attorney General Mark Herring, a Democrat, announced yesterday he's launched a civil rights investigation into the Windsor Police Department and its officers involved in the traffic stop, which many of you have seen and been outraged about, of U.S. Army Lieutenant. Karen Nazario. Now, uh, Herring told CNN footage that emerged last Friday showing the two police officers pepper spraying and drawing guns on Mr. Nazario, who is black and Latino. Uh, in December was, quote, appalling, dangerous, and unacceptable. Herring said his Office of Civil Rights would be examining whether there had been a pattern of misconduct with these officers or broadly within the department as a whole. He added in a tweet last night, quote, we certainly have more work to do to put a stop to misconduct and make sure this does not happen again. Mr. Nazario has filed rightly, in my opinion, a lawsuit against these two officers, Joe Gutierrez and Daniel Crocker. Gutierrez was fired from the Windsor Police Department on Sunday over the incident, and the governor of Virginia said he had directed the state police to conduct an independent investigation into the matter. I'm Leslie Marshall. That's what's ripped from the headlines coming up. Our guest and more right after this. Don't go away. And we're back. I'm Leslie Marshall. When I say we, we have Colonel Cedric Layton in the House, founder and president of Cedric Layton Associates, a strategic risk and leadership consultancy serving global companies and organizations. He founded it back in 2010 after serving in the U.S. Air Force for 26 years as an intelligence officer and attaining the rank of Colonel. Colonel Layton can also be regularly seen on CNN, where he is a military analyst. His handle on Twitter, please follow him there, is at Cedric Leighton, C-E-D-R-I-C-L-E-I-G-H-T-O-N. His website, same spelling, CedricLayton.com. Colonel, welcome back. Our little off-the-air vaccine talk. Let's not talk vaccine, but let's talk summits, Ukraine, Russia, and Putin, as uh, President Biden has proposed a summit. And it raises the Ukraine escalation in a call with Putin because the president spoke with Russian President Vladimir Putin today. He proposed that they meet for a summit in a third country in the coming months, according to the White House. Um, uh, First of all, um, I, I wanted your take on this because we know the call comes amid a Russian buildup on Ukraine's borders. And after Putin reacted furiously to an interview in which Biden agreed that the Russian President Vladimir Putin uh, was a killer. Um, but I mean, so first of all, are are world leaders kind of used to other world leaders, you know, to to look big or putting other people down, calling each other, you know, terrible names like killer? Is this a smart thing for Joe Biden to have done, especially now that he's calling for a summit? With Putin.
1: Yeah, it's kind of, Leslie, it seems like there's kind of two worlds being spoken here and, uh, you know, so you know, from a diplomatic perspective, uh, you know, while on the one hand it is absolutely true that Putin has ordered the killing of his uh, opponents, of uh, dissidents and, uh, you know, former spies in, uh, you know, that are living in places like England, uh, uh, you know, he's, he's definitely done that. So, you know, he has, he do- does have blood on his hands, it is a statement of fact. However, from a Diplomatic perspective, uh, you know the the world uh, where things that you say doesn't mean what you say. uh, That it is, you know, not necessarily the most um, you know kosher thing to to uh, uh, to bring about. But I do think it was refreshing, uh, you know, uh, from uh, the you know standpoint of President Biden. I think it was refreshing that he did say it because it does put Putin on notice that uh, there's somebody in the White House who in essence has Putin's number. I uh, and you know from that standpoint it's he's telling Putin I know what you're up to. I follow the intelligence. I understand what you're trying to do here. And uh, there are going to be limits that are going to be set on you. So we have to look at it as a warning shot uh, to Putin saying, uh, you know, this far and no further. Uh, You know, Putin may try to test that. You know, that's certainly what Putin has done in the past. Uh, But, uh, you know, in in some ways, I do find it refreshing. Uh, You know, of course, if I was the State Department guy, I'd probably say, well, Mr. President, you probably shouldn't have said that. But uh, in real life, I think it's uh, OK for him to have said it because it does put Putin on notice.
0: And it also puts the world on notice that this is a different president than the former president with regard to Russia and specifically Vladimir Putin. I mean, in the phone call today, uh, allegedly the president expressed U.S. support for Ukraine. Uh, He raised, Mm -hmm. well, not allegedly, he did express U.S. support for Ukraine. He raised concerns over the sudden Russian military buildup. And after we saw with the annexation of Crimea... Uh, You know, we we should be concerned. Right. And he called on Russia to reduce um, those uh, tensions. Um, You know, talk to us about the difference between Trump and Biden and their relationship with Vladimir Putin or, you know, just how they're handling Vladimir Putin and, and, and Russia and. Um, Biden, in a sense, putting Russia on notice, like you said, to you know, to and and letting them know we're watching and we're very concerned about the sudden Russian military buildup. Uh, we support Ukraine.
1: Yeah. So th- this is very interesting, Leslie, because what you're dealing with here is a very different way in which to handle Russia. So uh, Trump, uh, in essence, you know, you know, putting aside the possibility uh, that former President Trump uh, you know, had a relationship, an unspoken relationship uh, with the Russians before he became president, which then morphed into something else. Uh, if you put that aside, just looking at the diplomacy involved, uh, Trump basically tried to to tell. Uh, Putin, you've got a free hand here. Uh, you can do what you want in Ukraine. You can uh, you know, do what you want uh, in the Crimea and in other parts of Eastern Europe. In essence, what Trump did was he recognized Russia's claim to what they call their near abroad, which means the countries that are around Russia's periphery. When you look at what Biden is doing, he's he's basically saying, uh, you have violated the rules that countries have been following since the end of World War II and at least certainly since the end of, of communism in, you know, 1992. Uh, so you look at uh, Biden's approach, which is a much more direct and, you know, dare I say, kind of Reagan-esque almost approach uh, to Russia. Uh, and it's very, very different. In essence, what Biden is doing is he's putting down markers. He's opening up the possibility of a further alliance with Ukraine, Uh you know, not necessarily potential NATO membership, which of course Ukraine would want. Uh, yeah. But it, what he's saying is, you know, we have interest in Ukraine as well. We don't necessarily recognize Russia's concept of the near abroad. Uh, there's danger in doing this, danger that conflict could ensue with that. But there's also, uh, you have to also look at it from the standpoint of you need a to put down markers to tell the Russians that their behavior, kind of a 1930s style aggression against neighboring countries is not Permissible in this part of the 21st century, and uh, right now Putin thinks it is permissible. And uh, now he's, you know, obviously seeing some caution flags being thrown his way, and uh, it's forcing uh, Putin to reassess some things. But he's going to try to call Biden's bluff in this case, and this deployment of 50 000 to 80 thousand uh, troops on uh, their border with Ukraine uh, is one part of that calling calling Biden's bluff, I believe, and that's that. that's That's where, you know, the big difference, I think, uh, arises between uh, Trump and Biden. Uh, Trump uh, far more uh, acquiescent uh, to Putin's behavior, Uh, Biden much firmer uh, in regard uh, to Russia and Russian aggression.
0: I understand the two also discussed arms control, but something that President Biden did do, which uh, people on both sides of the aisle had cried out for Donald Trump to do when he was president. Um, was to warn Putin against further cyber intrusions and specifically against election interference. Um, Two things, Um, you know, one, out of the box, I thought this was the right thing for Biden to do to bring up President Biden to do the election interference. But secondly, what what can a Donald Trump or Joe Biden or any U.S. president do with a warning like this?
1: So warnings have to be followed up by deeds, and at least we have to be prepared to invoke uh, certain powers that we may have. So, it, you know, when President Biden gave Putin that warning about cyber intrusions and election interference, he was, uh, you know, putting down other markers. Uh, this gets to be a bit more complex because, you know, it's kind of easy to see tanks as they roll forward on the ground, and you know, you can take out the map and say, okay, we're here, they're there. Uh, you know, we're going to move this way, they're going to move that way. In in the cyber world, it's it, same things happen, but it's a lot harder uh, to discern that because you're dealing with networks. And sometimes you're dealing with your own networks as you're playing defense. Uh, what Biden can do in a case like this is he can, in essence, tell Putin that uh, we can go after his critical infrastructure, whether it be through cyber means or through other means. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you have to go and bomb something, which we, you know, as far as that goes, we shouldn't be doing or shouldn't be contemplating that uh, unless it, it really becomes necessary to do so. Uh, but what we should be doing is we should be warning the Russians that there will be consequences to your behaviors, whether it's election interference, whether it's cyber, whether it's, uh, you know, a more conventional action in, in eastern Ukraine or, or in so what um, what uh, President Biden has is not only uh, the ability to uh, warn but he also has the ability to defend and then attack through similar means such as a cyber attack for example shutting off the lights in Moscow as an example he could if things escalate that far he could warn uh, Putin that he might want you know he might want to reconsider because these kinds of things could happen Uh, so it's a you know, it becomes a game of, you know, making sure that the other side understands that there will be consequences to their actions. The Russians can't behave with impunity. And that's the key thing.
0: Uh, We're going to be taking a break, but I want you to be thinking about this because it seems that the president has to seek balance here, right? I mean, he certainly wants to have a stable relationship with Russia, particularly when it comes to nuclear security. Um, But at the same time, we are um, a democracy that operates as a republic, but freedom is important to us. And, you know, we, we can't just say, hey, it's OK that you jailed the opposition leader, <laughs> Alexei Navalny," uh, as an example. So I want to talk about that balancing act. I also want to talk about what we need to watch and look out for with the summit being proposed and uh, also talk more about what Ukraine is saying Russia has done with a move of a number of troops. We'll be back with the colonel and with you right after this. Don't go away. If you miss Leslie on TV this week, catch up at LeslieMarshallShow.com. We are back. Colonel Cedric Layton is our guest, founder and president of Cedric Layton Associates. He also is a, a colonel, as you hear. Twenty-six years as intelligence officer in the U.S. Air Force. He can be seen regularly on CNN as a military analyst on Twitter. Please follow him there at Cedric Layton, C-E-D-R-I-C-L-E-I-G-H-T-O-N. His website, same spelling, CedricLayton.com. Colonel Layton, thank you for holding. Welcome back. I was asking you about the balance. Uh, that I would imagine the president not only seeks uh, to maintain, but in a sense has to seek to maintain um, his his desire for a stable relationship with Russia, particularly when it comes to nuclear security, Uh, but his efforts to respond when Russia moves like the jailing of opposition leader Alexei and Albani um, in in this proposal of, of, you know, I want you to talk about the balance and also whether or not you think this is the summit is a good idea and some things that should be uh, some issues that face the United States and Russia that should be addressed at the summit.
1: Sure. Well, Leslie, I think the the big thing about a summit is it's at least we're talking. You know, one of the big things that uh, a lot of people uh, think is that either you talk or you go to war, and it's that's not true. There's a certain spectrum of uh, activities that happens on the way to conflict and also on the way to a diplomatic solution. Uh, so one of the things that I'm thinking about when I you know hear that President Biden has proposed a summit to uh, President Putin, I think it's first of all a fact. I think it's excellent uh, that he wants to do that uh, because it makes the two leaders size each other up. And it kind of makes me think about uh, big summits that have happened in the past, whether or not this one meets that kind of billing, uh, probably not, Uh, but they're still talking to each other. They're getting each other's measure and it uh, it makes sense for them uh, to do this. And I hope uh, President Putin accepts uh, the idea of this because I think it'll also help Russia if uh, there's a dialogue between the United States and and Russia, um, you know, in, in some ways, I think about uh, the Reykjavik summit between uh, Reagan and Gorbachev. Uh, you know, in, at the time, a lot of people thought it was an absolute failure, especially you know here in in the United States. Uh, but it really paved the way for further agreements as the two leaders became more comfortable with each other. They had met before, uh, but Reykjavik was kind of the uh, you know the the place where Gorbachev made some drastic proposals and uh, Reagan considered them, uh, decided not to uh, kill SDI, for example, the so-called Star Wars uh, initiative. Um, But what it did do is it, it allowed both sides to realize that they could, in Margaret Thatcher's words, do business with each other. And that's what summits are all about. So it's very important for the dialogue to continue. You don't want Uh, miscalculations to play a part in a decision uh, whether or not to go to war. And, you know, we we know we can pick out so many examples in history uh, where miscalculations have absolutely led to war and people, you know, die needlessly because of that. So, you know, when you look at um, the jailing of Navalny, uh, Alexei Navalny, the Russian opposition leader, and you see uh, the sheer brutality of what Putin has done to his own people and to his opposition leaders, uh, there are two things that I think about. First of all, uh, Putin is afraid. Uh, Putin is racing mm. against the clock you know for a from a biological standpoint at some point you know he will pass from the scene uh, you know be either natural or other causes uh, navalny uh, is a, a not only a thorn in his side but he is also a galvanizing leader he has an effect on a significant portion of the russian population and the fact that he exists uh, is a testament to uh, a lot of uh inconsistencies, discrepancies, problems within Russia. And if Biden can get uh, Putin uh, to ease up on Navalny uh, to treat him better, uh, that will certainly be a good thing for Navalny himself. Uh, and if Putin really thinks about it, it might also be a good thing for Putin, uh, because there is less of a uh, you know possibility of a martyr effect uh, should something terrible happen to Navalny. And that's that's the kind of thing, the kind of calculations that Putin should be making, whether or not he does make them, of course, is a completely different question.
0: I was amazed when Navalny agreed to go back. I would not have. I'm, 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 I'm amazed. Yeah. Quite frankly, I'm, I'm not trying to be irresponsible with my statement here, but I really, I'm amazed. Mr. Navalny is still alive, and I say that just because of things that we have seen happen with nerve agents, uh, things that you know, we things that we only thought were true in spy novels or historically uh, are still happening today. Um, let's move to Ukraine. Uh, the government of Ukraine yesterday. Uh, said that a request by their president, Zelensky, to speak with his Russian counterpart, who was Vladimir Putin, about the escalating conflict in eastern Ukraine has been ignored. Moscow has denied receiving any request from Kiev uh, for such talks. Now, what Ukraine is saying is that Russia has moved 80,000 troops to the border and Crimea, and that Putin won't talk. Um, So I want you to talk to us, because not everybody understands that area of the world, okay? So- what is Putin trying to do? Is he is he trying to is he is he trying to annex all of Ukraine to to be Russia at some point? And what benefit is it to him? Uh, To to have that. I mean, Russia is a very large country. One would think that he doesn't need more land for crying out It goes all the way to Mongolia on one side. Right. You know, you have Siberia, Mongolia. Um, It's it's a huge country. I don't think people realize that. Um, So why, why is Russia? Why is Russia doing this? What is what is their goal? What is their motive?
1: So Putin looks at the world a bit differently than we do. Putin thinks that the biggest catastrophe, to use his own words, was the collapse of the Soviet Union. And you know we look at that and say, but Putin isn't a communist. Well, Putin was a communist, and he realizes that that philosophy, that ideology, that power structure isn't going to get him anywhere. Didn't get him anywhere in the you know late '90s, early 2000s in in Russian history. Um, but what he is first and foremost is a Russian nationalist. And historically, whether you look at the communists and you know people like Stalin and what they were trying to do, and you you go back even further to the czars, you look at a degree of expansionism. Russia always rested on expanding itself. So from the area around Moscow and around, ironically, Kiev uh, to the rest of uh, you know the area surrounding them. So whether it was the, what they call the Russian steppes uh, all the way east uh, to Vladivostok Or to the West, where you bump against uh, Poland and uh, and Bulgaria and Romania and places like that. Russia's always sought to expand things. So do they want to take over Ukraine? Well, initially, I don't think they do. But what they are doing is they are talking about the Russian minority, the Russian-speaking ethnic Russian minority in eastern Ukraine. Uh, This is very similar to the argument that Hitler made back in the 1930s where they used the German phrase Heim ins Reich, which means home into the Reich or back into the German empire at, at that time. So what Hitler wanted to do was bring the ethnic Germans under german control german state control uh, those that lived in places like uh, at that time czechoslovakia poland uh, even the old soviet union so putin has a very similar idea for the ethnic russians that are in eastern ukraine and he wants them to be part of russia he says that they also want to be part of russia because they're discriminated against by the ukrainian state Uh, there's also a historical reason Uh, for Russia to eventually want to take over uh, all of Ukraine. So at first, I don't think they'll do it, but maybe eventually they're thinking about it because the origins of the Russian state itself center on the area around Kiev, the capital of Ukraine. Uh, Ukraine has historically never really been an independent entity, except for some very brief periods in history. And they were almost always under some form of Russian Mm -hmm. control. Uh, The Russians see them as being inferior to them uh, from a, you know, socio-cultural, ethnic perspective. And that very fact makes it uh, almost natural for the Russians to want to control that country. Plus, it has resources and they love resources, whether they're industrial or natural. Uh, You know, the more you control, the better. And Putin has that neo-mercantilist view of the world where he wants to control as many resources as possible. And he thinks that if he controls more things, then he has a better chance of keeping Russia alive and uh, really avoiding the demise of the Russian state. That's what this is all about. Putin thinks that Russia is collapsing. He knows Russia is collapsing uh, because of demographic trends and economic trends. And he wants to stop, put a stop to that. And you put a stop to it, in his view, by expanding into places like Ukraine.
0: Quickly, because we have a little more than a minute left, but I just want your take on this. About seven years ago was when he backed the, uh, you know, Ukra- the uh, Ukrainian uh, separatist, right, who wanted to be, you know, Russian and not Ukrainian. Um, and, it, it w- and And this has now grown steadily over the past several weeks. Why now? And does a change in our administration weigh into that at all, in your opinion?
1: Well, I think the administration has to understand, uh, you know, all the cultural dynamics in play here. But uh, why is he doing it now? Because he feels pressure now. There are a lot of sanctions against Russia. uh, And one way for Putin to avoid those sanctions is to actually perform actions, uh, you know, get popular support for invading another place that has Russians and to bring them back into the motherland, kind of like Hitler's idea with the Germans. Same thing, uh, you know, when it comes to Russia. Putin wants to bring all these Russians back into the homeland, and that, in the past, has been a very popular thing among the Russian people. Uh, Putin is worried about his popularity. That's why he doesn't like Navalny. That's why he's very afraid of Navalny. And that's also why he wants a little adventure in his near abroad so that he can galvanize popular support at home.
0: Uh, Be careful what you wish for. More people coming back home. More jobs need to be there. More food needs to be there. More housing, more resources, which Russia really doesn't have right now, right? Uh, Colonel, thank you so much. Uh, Love having you on. Sorry it was so short. We'll have you on again soon, as you know. Colonel Cedric Layton is seen regularly on CNN as military analyst. Check out his website. Uh, Go to CedricLayton.com, C-E-D-R-I-C-L-E-I-G-H-T-O-N. On Twitter, follow him there, Spain Spelling, at Cedric Layton. You'll learn a lot, I always do. You know, I love you, Colonel. God bless you and your family. And Mark, Mark. without him, we wouldn't have this great show.
1: That's right. Thanks, Mark, absolutely. Thanks so much, Leslie, it's always a pleasure.
0: Likewise, Colonel.
1: It's a new day. To celebrate and be free. A new day full of action and excitement. Come to Soaring Eagle. Indulge to your heart's content. It's a day for winning. For world-class fun and food. Yes, it's a grand, spectacular day to get away. Only at Soaring Eagle Casino and Resort. It's a new day. Visit SoaringEagleCasino.com.
0: The, you've been on the road for hours, covered 527 miles, listened to three podcasts, had two calls with your mom and one with your sister, and you're really hungry. And look at that. There's a McDonald's one mile up ahead meal. There's a meal for every moment at McDonald's.
1: Cruise up to McDonald's and get your favorite items on the one, two, three dollar menu, like a McChicken, McDouble, or four piece McNuggets. Price and participation may vary, cannot be combined with combo meal.